Halo Reach, Decrypto, and Advanced Squad Leader Starter Kit Number Two. This is staying in. Do you remember when we all used to play Halo Reach? Did you ever play that? Yes. Yeah. Um, Was Halo Reach the one with the zombies? Yeah, infection. Uh, well, no, uh, they, they all had inf- that. Did they? Well, yeah, I mean, the the zombies were in like the flood. That the the, the flood was named. They were from the first oh, game. No, I'm I'm thinking specifically of the multiplayer mode infected. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what I meant. Um, so, the zombies. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, yes, it is. It's also the one that had Griff Ball, which I don't. I, it is apparently a meme thing. I don't know what that's about. Um, but it's also the first time they brought Blood Gulch back from the original uh the original halo which as i think i think we can all agree is the best map um <laughs> why, I, why is it the best uh, why is it the best map why is it the best map because it's the map that to me is the most halo it encourages some of the most halo related things so right. the way that okay. you want to okay. play all it, right okay stop 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 if you're going to be if you're going to be using halo as an adjective first you got to define exactly what you mean by being halo like if I went, if I if 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 you did something and then no, if I did something and you went, oh, that's so Halo. What am I doing? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I see Halo as a first-person shooter that tries to play with physical chaos quite a lot. Physical chaos, um, vehicles, and working together as part of a small team right i i kind of see it as 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 that and the single player is uh, i think they leaned into that with odst which i didn't play very much of uh, but they certainly uh, leaned into it with all the other halos when they were like you can play co-op together as as a team in this on the same uh, thing in in the single player with with um blood gulch you have so the way i feel like you need to play blood gulch is you have uh, you want to play red versus blue you want to play at least three players aside, if not more. And I, I, I did a LAN party recently um, at work, and there was, I want to say, 10 of us, maybe 12 of us. So we managed to get five, six players aside, which was incredible. And it's, so you want five or six players aside, if you can. Um, vehicles on, but tanks off. I think tanks were a little bit too much, or a bit too explosive. They're, you want a bit, you want carnage, but you don't want, like... You don't want half-life levels of gravity gun carnage. What you want is like just just the just the right amount, just the right halo amount, I would say. Um, and so, what you have with the vehicles being on is you get to drive around the warthogs, which are the ones where there's one driver and then a gunner on the back and a passenger seat where you can drive somebody around uh, so you can have little teams of three. It also has the little beep, 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 uh, the little quad bikes that are in the game as well. And I think there's a couple of other bits on in Blood Gulch that automatically get populated with vehicles. But there's also spaces where you can go and grab a sniper rifle. There's spaces where you can go and grab, uh, make sure you've got plenty of machine gun ammo. And there's also two towers, two little bases at either side. So you want to play Blood Gulch, Red versus blue, vehicles on, tanks off, and you want to be playing capture the flag because the idea is you go and grab the flag. Well, it's like any other capture the flag. You go and grab the flag from the enemy base and you try and get get it back to yours. There is a big jump in the middle 
a ramp where basically this this hill lets both sides catch air like really really quickly and is that possibly what the gulch of blood gulch is yeah a little bit you're actually inside the gulch it's oh, a little right, bit okay. of a uh, yeah but there is a essentially a bit where you start flying over stuff um and there was this, this moment where i was watching i was playing i was i was driving i so people let me drive people at work don't really know how i play but i like i you know how when whenever we play stuff i tend to be i think fairly the agent of chaos in in the uh, in, i would say in, that is a fair group. description i would say the situation is we sit there for five minutes planning our plan you count down five four three two one pete has run in the opposite direction to what we'd planned we are left there standing saying okay we now have to follow him as he runs off firing his gun into the air <laughs> yeah enemies or no just firing wildly we've, into all, the air. we've always we've always called you peter leroy jenkins willington <laughs> yeah exactly so i was driving along and um there was just this amazing moment where like you know five versus five flew over these these things and we were like all catching air all firing loads of guns at one another really really chaotic really good fun and i'd forgotten how timeless that halo gameplay is because they've just released the master chief collection and um you can buy it piecemeal or you can buy the whole thing and eventually they're going to do so they're releasing them all canonically so reach is technically the first in the canon of uh, the halo storyline and um, so they've released Reach first and it is so the, the main thing is like 30 quid if you want to get all of them or you can buy them for like I think it's like 7 quid a time 8 quid a time and I just I just plump for like just Reach and I honestly would have spent 30 quid on it I'd forgotten how good it is and how well it holds up especially that HDified version that they did where they sort of up the textures a little bit but it's it's I'm getting feeling. Is your experience coloured by the fact that you were playing with ten other players in the same room, though? So it was definitely improved. Yeah, um, as in, like, I always think it's better to have lots of people in a room playing multiplayer games than playing them online, just because that's kind of like how I like rolling and shouting at each other and like going and get, you know, and ha- yeah. it's a land party. You have pizza and you have, you know, you have the odd fizzy pop and stuff like that. Uh, but I was sat next to my co-member in crime, Jem, who was absolutely blasting stuff while I was flying a helicopter around a tower. She was in the helicopter like, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, I was like, she, she turns and sees your maniacal face. <laughs> you don't know what you've she, done. So, so her partner, um, uh, uh, turned, who I used to work with, actually, when I was a uh, pocket gamer, he, he, at one point after a match, he said, I don't think I've ever seen anybody, f- like, punch the air as much as you do, Peter. <laughs> like, I would, like, the amount, as I say, like, it, it's all about that chaos. And um, you can cause tons of it. Um, and, um, uh, and so definitely at doing that. But playing it remotely, I think, would be, would be really, really good fun. And um, uh, it's bonkers how well it all works. I think, I think I've, I for me I started playing Halo like it was the first when I bought the Xbox way back in the day the original Xbox that was like yeah I bought Halo I bought Halo with the Xbox not really understanding knowing what Halo was but it was obviously the big game and I bought that not really into first person shooters and so but I love that I fell in love with Halo and then Halo Two and Halo yeah. Three and all that stuff and as you say the thing that really sticks with it is just how well it kind of plays the mechanics just hardwired into that game just work. Yeah. And it's no surprise that it had such an impact when it came out because, as you say, they just just nailed it. 
the, the kind of just the way it holds. They nailed it first time. Yeah. That's the mad thing. Like that first game is is still I went back to the original, you know, as I say the original Xbox version. I went back maybe a couple of years ago and it, and it did hold up really really well. But playing Reach again, it feels like it like it feels like it ca- it's come out for the first time like last week. Mm. Like it's it's bonkers how good it is and how how like forward thinking it was. Like there's tons of maps, tons of like re- like tons of really fun modes. Like I get really sick of like um just standard deathmatch stuff. Like I never I'm never good enough to be the person who's like I'm always like at best middle rank, usually bottom rank um, when I'm playing deathmatch stuff. But there's so many different kinds of modes that give you lots of different things you can do like as i say like capture the flag is really really good we played it was called crazy king of the hill i don't know if you ever played that in reach uh, it rings a bell it does ring a bell so so king of the hill is usually where you need to go to a space and then hold yeah. it right like you need to basically stand in this glowing circle crazy king of the hill basically uh gives you the glowing circle and then every 20 seconds the the king of the hill space moves and so you end up with this really fun situation where you, you, you defend the hill and then suddenly it's half a mile in the other direction. Suddenly everybody stops shooting at one another. Everybody jumps in a vehicle and blasts it all the way to the other side of the map, shooting at each other on the way. Because obviously the first thing you want to do is get hold of that, you know, that vehicle. And the fact that there's different classes, you can sprint now, you can do jetpacks. Uh, there's like this energy shield thing, which a, a couple of the people I was playing with were like properly good at Halo, like properly good, and actually knew what they were doing with all of this stuff. Um, but it was just fun. As somebody who doesn't really isn't really good at first-person shooters, I was really blown away with how much destruction and chaos I could cause with just being vaguely competent. And it just, yeah, it was, it's, oh man. I, have it, to, I mean, I so have to say, Halo is the only game I've ever played, as like you said there, in terms of with a big right. group of people and stuff like that. I did that at university, like on our halls, yeah. where literally we'd pulled two TVs into someone's room, hooked up two Xboxes or Xbox 360s yes. to the two TVs. So there's like eight of us sat in a room all playing in this one match. Again, I'm the same. I was, I'm useless at it, but I still have fun and all that. All that. So much Other fun. people are much better. I think that would have probably been, um, was it, I think it was Halo 2 that introduced the multiplayer um, and then probably Halo 3 which really kicked it off. So Halo so Halo 1 I have this really fond memory of one of the fondest memories of being uh, in my hometown was there was a, a an internet cafe gaming cafe thing and it didn't last very long but the, that you could play the original Halo on an original Xbox using a thing called Kayla client. I remember that because I remember somebody saying it and me being like oh that's a that's a fun name. <laughs> and I remember me and three pals from back home, we played Halo 1 against some Canadians who were out in Canada. And if you went through this, because you could play it local, you could play it on a LAN network, and it made yeah. this Kayla client thing basically spoofed it into thinking it was a LAN. And I remember doing it, and we had these headsets, and these guys were like, oh, yeah, yeah, you can talk with these guys over in Canada. And I, it was the first ever like online multiplayer game and I had, had ever done. Like, I wasn't into PCs or anything like that at the time. And I remember turning to my friends and saying, this is the future. Like, th- this is what multiplayer is going to be from now on. And it was like, and when, as you say, when Halo 2 came along and Xbox Live really kicked off, then it was just like, well... That, cha- that changed literally everything. Literally everything, yeah. And, and as I say, to bring it back to this Master Chief collection that's just come out. Yeah, so, so the, the Master Chief collection, genuinely, I'm a huge Halo fan. I've not actually heard of this. Really? Yeah, I've actually not 
superior. I know they've released different editions and stuff in the past. What right. what is the Master Chief Collection? Is it? I'm assuming it's kind of a an Xbox slash PC exclusive stuff. Right. So it came out on Xbox uh, a little while ago. Uh, is my understanding. I don't have an Xbox One, unfortunately. But it's only just been released on PC, and it's not just through the Windows Store, which is what everyone thought it was going to be. It's ne- it's also on Steam and. Um, what it is, is the Master Chief Collection from the Xbox One, so you get these up-res textures and stuff like that. It's by 343 Industries, which is the people that was that were given the, the Halo yeah. uh, the, the thing afterwards. And co- uh, yeah, when, when Bungie left. Yeah, so they were the ones who did Halo 4 and Halo 5, I think is out now. And they've gone back to this, and they've been really, really faithful with it, really, really just understood what that game needs. And um, they, what they're doing is they're staggering the release, whereby when they launch it canonically, so they launch with Halo Reach, and basically when you fire up the Master Chief Collection, it says, well, which version do you want to play? And you're like, okay, well, I want to play Reach. And it goes, okay, fine. Do you want to play single player or do you want to play multiplayer? Halo, uh, Halo Reach. And then, so each of these versions, my understanding is, you will be able to play the multiplayer of Halo 2. You'll be able to play the multiplayer of Halo 4. And now, I, I, I seem to remember reading this. I don't know whether or not this is true. But I'm I'm fairly confident that they're, they've also talked at one point about bringing all of those maps back into this, like, universal multiplayer mode. I don't know how... I that Maybe maybe that was a fever dream. But, but they're, anyway, they're releasing these canonically. They're going to do all of them except for Halo 4 and Halo 5, if the, I assume that's not out yet. I don't know. So, yeah. So, eventually, it will be Reach 1... Two, three, and ODST, and that is basically the. I mean, they're the ones. Like they're that's the yeah. You know that that's that's the stuff. That's the ticket. There is cross-platform multiplayer, I believe. There certainly is between the Windows versions. So if you play on Steam, then you can play against people with window the Windows version because it uses Xbox Live. So you do have a, have to you do have to have an Xbox Live account, but you don't have to have a premium Xbox Live account. So as long as you're playing on PC, you can just play online for free. That's not a problem whatsoever. I don't know whether or not it talks to the Xbox One. Maybe it does. I'm not sure. But the LAN party that we did was the easiest multiplayer I think I've I've ever set up. It was literally like you switch to LAN mode and immediately it found every single person was like, yep, cool, in you come. And like we were up and playing within three minutes. Like astonishing. Absolutely astonishing. And the fact that the fact that it's being you can either buy the whole thing up front at a discount and then you'll get them over time. Or if you want, just go grab the one that you want. And for me, we were like, well we're gonna play Reach. We're gonna have a great time. I I honestly think it's the best, probably the best seven or eight quid I've spent in, you know, certainly the last six months. Like, it, really, really good fun. And I really hope I get to play more of it as well. Either, you know, hopefully with you guys, but, you know, if I if I have to, uh, then randomers online. Yeah, you've, you've got me jazzed for playing Halo again, which is disappointing because I have nothing to play it on. Yeah. Because I, I have it's... a PlayStation and I have a Mac, so neither of those are available for Halo. Does your, does your Mac run Windows? It can... I'd have to buy extra software. <laughs> right. No, no. Technically, can you can buy software which will split that will partition the the thing, but it's not the best. It's not ideal. I've had right. it in the past and I've kind of taken it off because I wasn't using it necessarily. But yeah, but but I'm I'm I want to play Halo again now. So thanks for the disappointment. I guess <laughs> that's right, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well done, Pete. <laughs> Striding into 2020 with the same yep. verve and vigor 
that you left the 2010s. Yep, ruining it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay, so how... Obviously, we, we, we got to the end of 2019, finishing stuff up. Well done. Uh, and, I mean, hopefully we uh, did. I mean, a peek behind to see how the sausage is made, but no, this Sam. is not... No, go- no, Sam. No, no. <laughs> like, we are recording this in the year of our Lord 2019, uh, so let's hopefully we're uh, all still around it. 2020. Uh, At the end of the day, hang it. on a minute. If we're not here 2020, something tells me this podcast doesn't go up. <laughs> well, no, yeah, because the member of our party who isn't on this call is the person responsible to uploading it so i'd like to think through tears and um <laughs> a general like I, I, chris would have gone on hunger strike tears like he'll get he'll yep. get this podcast up as his final sort of remembrance of of us yeah and, and the yeah. great catastrophe i can only assume it's called yeah where three different people in three very different locations in the uk for some reason, <laughs> can't record podcasts All had anymore. pianos fall on them. <laughs> so, so make sure to listen to all the way to the end of the podcast to find out whether or not Chris and the rest of us are still alive. Um, but I mean, so this idea of this idea of f- finishing things like I'm certainly trying to. <laughs> oh no, we we've broken Sam. Oh no, <laughs> we single-handedly created the best way to keep people listening. <laughs> we it's might like, die. It's like you because know, to be fair, you know you, know, you to want be fair without getting morbid. Right now, we can't guarantee we're going to make it to the end of this episode. It's it's true. There's. Have you ever watched American? Um, have you ever watched American news networks? Yes. And like, yeah. and they're always like, they're always like, uh, you know, you know, is salad making making you poop too much? Find out after the break. <laughs> like, it feels like we found the ultimate version of that. But um, so uh, like I say, yeah, like finishing that stuff up. I um, I've been trying to finish because i do at some point hopefully in 2020 want to talk about uh, final fantasy 12 but i would like to have actually finished it before i actually like because i get very excited about jrpgs and then i get really bored towards the end i want to finish that i want to finish i fit i've finished how i met your mother this year brilliant <laughs> bloody hell like it, it's not really the cream of the crop is it like I, if yeah, you were... I think of all the things you could <laughs> yeah. say oh, I, I i did this i did this i did this you finished I a, I'll admit, a humorous, enjoyable totally sitcom. Yeah, but brilliant. A fairly middle of the road sitcom. It's not up there in the kind of the the pantheon last of year, great great series. Last year, Seinfeld and Frasier. This year, this year, <laughs> it was How I Met Your Mother, and oh, which one? What was the other one that I did this year? Memorable. It was yeah. It was clearly memorable. Was it was it American? Oh, sh- oh um. Also this year, I also finished. Um, Please don't say one... two and a half men. No, no, that's 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 on that's on the docket. That one where uh, Ki- um, Kimmy Schmidt. Oh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that was very. That, I enjoyed that. So, um, but um, so I'm I'm trying to get through all of these sorts of things, and hopefully I'll have done them by. Uh... Maybe can we recommend new comedy 
American comedy sitcoms for you? No, no, Why? no, not not up for them. I, I I've already got them. I've I'm already started Tuka and Bertie. That's uh, that's that's great. A little animated one. I'm gonna start. I want to see whether or not I can get hold of regular show because I remember watching the first season of that and really really liking it. And then the other one I really want to get is Cheers. Fair enough. Yeah, I, well, saw, I started watching Cheers a few years back. I, I mean, I'm surprised you watch Frasier without watching Cheers beforehand. Because you really yeah, how, you don't understand Frasier until you've watched Cheers. How could I possibly know? Yeah, I mean, there's um, <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to watch it almost like one might have watched the Star Wars, the new Star ah, Wars movies. Right. Yeah, yeah, fair. Like Phantom Menace and stuff like that. Like, oh, that's how he turned into. Yeah, I'm going to kind of enjoy it like that. What about uh, what about you, Sam? Uh, what have you finished? What have I finished? What have you? What have you? What are you happy you finished? What? In 2019. In 2019. Yeah. What's the What's the thing that you've been like? Oh, I've been meaning to get that played. Huh. Hang on. Um. Nothing much. I mean, I finally watched Event Horizon the other day. <laughs> Is that because you saw that there were two bonkers Switch games that have come out for for the Event Horizon IP recently? No. Did you not see this? What? They look like Hang no. On. Like obviously. As a as a as a professional developer, not ever wanting to besmirch anybody's good name, but they look super like they look they look really low rent, and they have the Event Horizon IP attached to it. I think there's two of them. Oh my god! Yeah, they look like not what you would expect. It, well, it's currently there's currently a Switch sale going on at the minute, and it's been the Event Horizon game has been. Uh, discounted 75%. So now it's £1.34. Well, there you go. Find out what happened to the crew of the Who Gives a Toss uh, uh, after that. Did So you finished Event Horizon? Yes. I, I mean, it wasn't like I started it on January 1st, 2019, and I've been watching 20 seconds every day until finally... Right, sure. <laughs> I just... I was in one of those moods and I thought I've always wanted to watch Event Horizon but never got round to doing it. Like I'm very much aware of its place within our within our sort of culture. Right. And I tell you what, it's uh, it's one of those films where you watch it and immediately afterwards I searched <laughs> Is Event Horizon a good film? <laughs> oh! <laughs> like, I was so like, I enjoyed yeah. this, but should I? Yeah. <laughs> Why? Like, Please the, convince me I'm right. <laughs> from the moment it starts, it's got this Ronnie size Matrix-esque soundtrack, which tonally goes against everything in the film. <laughs> and, like, the practical effects... The stunts, the story, like it's all really, really good. Like it's really, really good. Like, like but I was just like, "Oh, I, is this film good? Have you guys both? Have you not seen it? Either of you? I've not seen I've it. Not, I've not seen it. No. It's so I, I'm actually learning. So, ah, <laughs> uh, 2020 means uh, start as you mean to go on. I'm actually listening to a lecture series about quantum and black holes. All oh, right, okay, yeah. And and um, so I just learned about what the event horizon was. Yes. Uh, and um, so, but so I know what an event horizon is. I but I've heard that this one's quite a spooky movie. Well, yeah, it's it's described as a thriller, but it's on the horrory end of being a right. Does it star Vin Diesel? No, that's pitch black. <laughs> Event Horizon has Sam Neill, Lawrence Fishburne, um, Draco Malfoy's dad from the Harry Potter series. Hello to Jason Isaacs. Hello to Jason Isaacs. And yeah, like Sam Neill, incredible performance. Lawrence Fishburne knocks it out of the park, like superb stuff. And all the other actors, other than Jason Isaacs, long forgotten. They're like... Pfft, 
nothing nothing ever happened to them but basically it's the story of a ship that tries to kill the people that are on it and it's weird when you watch it and like i immediately just thought of dead space and that feeling of being on the ishimura right and yeah not knowing what was in the ship or on the ship and it just captures that exceptional atmosphere of especially when they're first like exploring the ship they don't realize what's what the ship is actually doing to them so it has this wonderful atmosphere and it's incredibly tense and thrilling and sam neil is just it's it's i tell you what this will be perfectly summer <laughs> summer event horizon and the and the year and the in the time that it was made right sam neil <laughs> <laughs> he spends quite a lot of the early part of the film with his shirt off right and you can tell that he's not in any kind of physical fitness at all because you can tell he's bre- <laughs> he's holding it in the whole way like you can just see him like holding it in but still the fat sort of spilling over his trousers and he's just like <laughs> oh <laughs> it's just like oh my god it's just like you know when <laughs> It's just so funny. I love it. It's a, I honestly, I think it's a I I don't know what to make of the film, but I'm glad I watched it and I'm glad I I like it's the last film I've watched this year. Oh, god. Good lord. Well, I'm trying to think is anything I finished and there's nothing. I mean, already we've discussed playing a game from 2010, a film yeah. from 1997. Brilliant. I've just finished Spider-Man, but that's new. So well so that's, done. That's, we've, I mean, we've talked about Spider-Man in the past, so I'm kind of when you played it. Um, mm. It's taken me four months to, to to complete it, which isn't actually that bad considering the amount of time I actually get to play games. But yes, yeah, so that's 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 the kind of the big thing I've finished. I just kind of I I go to the point now where I just take one game at a time. And that's all you can do, man. Take it one game at a time. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So just finished Spider-Man. It was good. It was good. I kind of. It was weird. I kind of. I went up and down in terms of how much I was enjoying it and it kind of part of that was influenced by the narrative where there was without giving anything away there are certain narrative beats and twists so to speak that Mm. I saw coming so clearly that I was getting annoyed that it was taking so long for the twist to be revealed. Right. And so you sit there thinking, why am I doing these meaningless tasks when I know where this is heading and you're just dragging mm. it out now? You're making me do all this stuff because I know what, what you're trying to get me to do, but I'm having to do all of this stuff first. And that was kind of annoying me a bit. Same with kind of like, I was I was losing kind of interest of the, the kind of the side quests, which at the start I'd really enjoyed. But as I had less time to play, I was kind of like, I want to just get through the narrative, which then when the narrative is dragging because the narrative is trying to push you to do the side quests so it's dragging a little bit to get you to do other stuff it kind of it was it was difficult and i don't i don't think that a game an, an open world game such as spider-man yeah. lends itself nece- necessarily to good narrative storytelling in certain ways i think in certain ways it can but i think overall i i i find i struggle with the narrative on those Hmm. kind of games why do you think that is like why do you think specifically with open world games that doesn't it doesn't work because the reason the reason i bring this up is is that so for example most good tabletop rpgs for example are open world what it what is the what is the fundamental structure in video games versus tabletop games i would say that means that open world isn't great for telling stories is it simply the simply the medium is different and therefore i I think i think with a a tabletop rpg the kind of 
the 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 game is in control of the players really sure. so where it's a video game the the developers this is in my mind not a developer myself but the developers have in mind a length of time they would like you to play the game now the narrative yeah. won't take that long of the length of time they want you to be playing so they're stretching it out by giving you side quests and doing all that stuff now for me i'm someone who plays games for the narrative i really i enjoy the storytelling that's why all of my favorite games all have a really strong narrative there's lots of action lots of all traditional gaming tropes but they all have a great storyline and a kind of a, a narrative behind them when you start having side quests and other things as a key component of the game mm. it pulls away from the narrative for me because like there are plenty of times where spider-man he literally after a cutscene like narrative narrative has happened that's done uh, <laughs> the cutscene is finished and he's i don't know he's left the lab and he's sat outside and he says well i've got nothing to do for now i best look around the city and look for crime i don't see i like... love that i really like I know, that. I, and i get i get that but for someone who wants the narrative to push forward i want to i want to be constantly rolling i want to be like okay now i need to go and investigate i need to go over here and go over here and go over here that's what i right. want to happen okay. but, and I, but don't if... but don't you see that extra bit as part of the narrative though because that's the way when especially when i played spider-man like i'm in most open world games if they do it right i always see that as part of the narrative like i'm getting to know peter parker and i'm getting to know new york city which is essentially a character in in spider-man and because the developers are kind of going right in terms of the main story arc we're going to give you some space to just go and explore the city because when this next beat comes in because you've gotten to know the city and you've gotten to know peter parker a little better we think this narrative is going to hit a bit harder for me that was more impactful than when say oh no you've got to save the world mr man but first i'm going to carry three things to this person over here and then and then and then i'll go and save the world like like for me and spider-man that just worked and i I do get that and i think i for me i think that perhaps didn't work as quite as well as the developers wanted i totally get that that you could have that element of you're you're going around you're fighting crime you're doing spider-man things and then the narrative kicks back in that's lovely if that works what it kind of felt to me was okay you've done enough time away from the narrative let's give you more narrative as opposed to an organic natural thing of you've done this which me which can which as a result of you doing this thing by yourself has caused this thing to happen which then leads back into the narrative it was just i've just spent five minutes fighting crime i've now got a call telling me i have to go over there okay now i go over there but i thought but but isn't that organic isn't that the way that spider-man's life would would go that he would like right i've done this thing i've been peter parker going to fight crime oh no i've got a call i'm off to the next the next thing but uh, i mean it comes back to what i'm looking for in the game more than anything else and as i say i mean i'm not saying that it's a badly constructed game not at all i think for what it's what it's trying to do it does do very well for what i was looking for it possibly Mm. doesn't do exactly what i want it to do and as i say that's because i'm looking for that focus on the narrative at the start i was really enjoying the side quests i thought they were really fun doing different things and great as i was spending longer and longer playing it i became thinking okay i want to move this game along i want to get some progress i want to get through the narrative and so it kind of linked into the fact of when i can feel like the story's being dragged out longer than it needs to when i can see 
okay, we're gonna, I'm not going to get the answer to this question that I know the answer to yet. Um, when that starts happening, then I'm just like, I want to just kind of play through the narrative. And then I want to get through it. And when I don't have a lot of time to play games, I want to feel like I've achieved something. And so the progression of the narrative right. means I feel like I've achieved something. If I went on there, as my time is time playing games is quite finite if i just went on there and i don't know found three backpacks i'm probably not going to find all the backpacks when i finish the game and it's not a game i'm going to go back to and just play to find the backpack so i don't feel like i did you're you're coming at this game from a different position than i am and as i say i think just for what i was looking for and by no means it's not a bad game I, I really enjoyed playing the game there were certain mm. elements that are potentially an issue with the for the genre of the open world game which doesn't lend itself perhaps to a narrative my favorite games are the uncharted games last of us those are very strict narrative kind of linear stories and that's what i love i love i i when i play i feel like i've gone from a to b and i've made progression and it's been productive and i can stop then and i can pick it up later on and i can go from b to c and that's but would you? Here's another. Th here's the thing, though. Would you say that the original Red Dead Redemption was a good narrative game? Yeah, but uh, hang on, hang on. Sorry, it had a good narrative. Um, eventually, yes. <laughs> and I say that because I started playing it. Um, and this is sim. This is a. This is a. For me, this is a common thing with Rockstar. I started playing it. I got distracted by the host of things that are thrown at that you can possibly do. I got distracted. I lost my way. I didn't get. I wasn't involved in the narrative. And I kind of stopped playing. I came back to it at a later date and I focused in on the narrative. And I kind of pushed that stuff right. to the side. And when I pushed that stuff to the side, that narrative became the kind of the so, and there's 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 less in the narrative of Red Dead Redemption of the narrative has stopped here. You have to go do your own thing yeah. and then we'll come back to you later. Right, right. And I suppose I suppose that that to me feels like what that fundamental difference is. Like there's a bit in um Assassin's Creed black flag where you, basically the game just says just go and be a pirate for a bit mm. and you just have to go and do some stuff and it doesn't really give you all that much detail as to what you should be doing and whenever I pick and I had to do go and do that for like two or three hours and I'm in the same boat as you Dan in that I felt even though it felt thematically right like cool I went off and have had this adventure and I, I, I terrorised the high seas because I've grown up with a language of what video games are doing I immediately as soon as that stuff started to happen I was like I know what you're doing you're extending the game you're pushing this out you're giving me side quests this has nothing to do with the narrative this is just extending the gameplay out in exactly the same way that whenever I see a open world game and like Watch Dogs particularly the first one did this where it would be like oh no oh I've had my bag stolen and you knew it wasn't even a case of like get ten like do this and this will never happen again. It was just a random thing that would happen in the world and you could go off and do it. Whenever that happened, immediately my brain just says, don't worry about that. Don't bother engaging with that content because that is not driving that that story forward. I always felt with that stuff like the, that that was just kind of filler. And it feels like the difference between what Rockstar Games does and it sounds like what this Spider-Man game ha has been doing is that Rockstar Games, there is always a little circle with a little letter inside of it 
that if you go and do that, that will move the story forward. Like, you will you will go and see the guy at the chop shop, and he will do the thing that allows you to unlock CJ's next set of tasks that he needs to do. Whereas with the, you've stopped a random burglary, it's just, it's just this kind of world building stuff that is not, there's nothing, there's no, there's no substance to it. It doesn't actually feel like you're really doing anything, because... Uh, you know, because essentially a random dice roll can happen in the background and the game system can say, you know what, uh, do the burglary again. Yeah, but I, I, I really disagree on quite a lot of this stuff. Like, And I think it's like my favourite moments in Horizon Zero Dawn were just like wandering around the world in between like the story beats. I think right. that is another game that does that really well where the, the, the narrative is structured in a way that you just early on in the game it's just like you need to deliver this message to this place and that's it and what happens in between on the way is totally up to you and i often feel that in these cases it's all about what are you bringing to it as a player like what are you doing yeah like sometimes i think that we can expect too much from games like at the moment i'm playing dragon's dogma on the switch and having a whale of a time because i fully i'm fully role-playing the the character that i'm creating like dragon's dogma is would be hell for you dan because the story is a dragon comes down on a beach rips out your heart you wake up and then the dragon comes up comes comes up to you next day and goes don't worry about it we'll fight one day I'll let you go and get the experience you need to come and fight me and we'll have a proper fight all right I mean that, See that you is later. Le- that is legitimately a nightmare I have <laughs> so and that's all the game is and then you just off you just you just go and explore the world and all you're doing is getting experience to then one day come back and fight and fight the dragon but in my mind yeah i think i just i think i need a bit more hand holding than that i think i need just a little bit more i'm the same then yeah. kind of to to keep me engaged i need but, to but, see yeah that progression Dan, i agree with you but in my mind i'm farnsby the 80 year old ex-wizard who denounced himself from this from this horrible life to bring up his daughter but now right. but now he's been thrust back into this world against his will he's been forced to pick up his staff He's got a small dwarf that follows him, follows him called Relish, and now he's just like on this quest that he doesn't want to go on. And I'm, the, and and it's the same in like Fallout. Like in, when I last played Fallout Four, I role played like the, right. the the main character. Like I gave him a full backstory as if it was like a proper RPG to actually give myself some meaning in the world, whilst I was just jumping from side quest to side quest. Yeah. And it's for me, it's that investment into it i think it comes from i think i think sometimes the the best games allow you to to sort of have fun with that and really explore it and I th- and i think that it's a skill that you can develop and i think that yeah when i come to when i come to play games like that that's always what i'm doing and i think it allows me to sometimes enjoy them a little more because i'm just like you know what one of my favorite things is like when i come back to a game that i've not played in a while i just role play that the guys that the person i'm playing has got amnesia and can't remember how to do anything and it's just like i'm bringing my own story to the thing so immediately it's just 10 times more interesting i think it's interesting you mentioned two games there fallout and horizon zero dawn fallout is another game i've tried many times to play and i just i just get stuck and because i just don't i don't see the progression that i need to be making and i really struggle with it interesting with horizon zero dawn because i'd agree it's a, it's a 
open world game but i don't feel the same way about that and i'm Mm. trying to think why that would be and i think part of it is the fact that you have this narrative that feeds through the game and that narrative is always pretty much there you can follow it in the same way we talked about with rockstar games you can follow that narrative but also the stuff some of the stuff that you you kind of you take a step away some of the um I can't even remember what they're called now. The kind of the, the the caves under the mountains that you find throughout kind of the world. You don't necessarily have to find all of those. Um, obviously, you get certain benefits by doing that. But I did find that I felt the narrative was enhanced uh, from doing that, those side quests. Now, now, now you know you know exactly why that is. It's because Guerrilla Games is something very very clever in the des- in the general design of Horizon Zero Dawn is that they know that if you're able to bring something of yourself into the game, you'll connect with it a little bit better. So just right. like I do with fans being relish, the 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 trick that Horizon Zero Dawn does is to get you to do that without realizing it. Yeah. And how it and how it does that is by is is by the fact it's built a world that you recognize stuff in as a player but Al, but Aloy doesn't. So you know what all these buildings are. You know what is going on like in all these artifacts that you are finding. You recognize the stuff in the old world that existed. So as a player, you're invested in that part of the story. So you want to go and do that. You've put now some some of your own narrative and your investment into that story so i think that's why that works because then you've got two narratives running alongside you've got aloy just doing her story but then you've also got you as a player you know that there is some bigger secret going on here which aloy doesn't essentially do so that means that when you're not doing parts of the narrative you as a player are getting the satisfaction of of discovery of this other secret that's running alongside the game and I, I, I'd agree with that. And I think when you can look at that and you compare it with something like Spider-Man to kind of bring it kind of back full circle, I don't think that if I'm going around the city fighting crime, the third or fourth time I chase down a stolen car or the third or fourth time I stop a fight that's happening in the middle of the street, I'm then not getting anything from that. It's just repetition then. And that's kind of where I have that problem. That first time it's like, oh yeah, I'm going to... Actually, yeah, that's happening. Spider-Man would go... Peter Parker would go and say those people he'd go and fight that crime so he i would go and do it after a while pete as you were saying i it's not going to add anything to it at that point i'm a gamer as opposed to playing the character i would say i would say the other the other thing with you know the other slight wrinkles on this are um and rpgs have this been doing a lot of research into into rpgs some video games railroad you a lot more and then uh, even in open world games and like I think, so Grand Theft Auto is a bit more railroady, I would say, because it's like, well, we kind of just want you to go along the the, the path, right? Like, so a really good example would be that first, uh, Grand, uh, the first of the 3D ones, uh, Grand Theft Auto Three, basically locks off most of the islands beforehand, and because it, it doesn't really want you to go elsewhere, and it wants you to progress through a story so that you can unlock everything else and see everything else. So whenever you whenever you have a game that largely railroads you, it's very difficult then to actually then start role playing. I find I find that at least. And then I think the other thing is that it, it it's also about how good that generative content actually is. So for example, Watch Dogs it's really bad because it's also it's usually the same line of dialogue. They're like, "Oh no, ha- strange hatted hacker man. What please help? <laughs> I've been robbed." That. And it's the, it, you know, that old chestnut. They do. 
that old chestnut and it's and you know you'll hear that line of dialogue multiple times and that's the thing that immediately takes you out and it's not a living breathing city whereby i'm role-playing strange hatted hacker man it's a it's just another bit of generative content you saw most you again having this video game history like you know experience and history you can immediately peer behind the curtain and go all right yeah this is just a system to to keep me busy whereas like with some of the the red dev 2 stuff that i've been seeing alex playing it's really good like it's just stuff where it's like all of these different factors are coming into play and you think is this a mission is this a side thing is this just a thing that happens out in the world? Is this just different weird systems connecting with one another? So I think that the, the more complex it is, the more likely it is that you are to engage with it and role play with it, I think, as Sam does. And I think that the games are moving in the right direction. Spider-Man is a move in the right direction. For me, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't feel enough for what I'm looking right. for. But, but no game immediately gets it first time other than Halo, as we've already discussed. <laughs> no one yeah. gets it first time. You have to take those steps to get there, and then game after game will build on it and build on it and build on it till you get to the, till someone nails down, oh, this is how it's done. And then people know how it's done, and then people can then kind of experiment in that new playground. Yeah. And we just, we're getting closer, and kind of the people like the guys behind Spider-Man, the attempt is there. I absolutely see that to try and give you an open world, which then inflex on the narrative in a natural way for me mm. it didn't quite mesh well enough mm. chris and i uh he's not as cool he's 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 been quarantined to not catch the yep. timed illness that the three of us have got so at least one of us can make it through to 2020 yeah. um but we did have Chris and I did have uh, another gaming afternoon um, did you? together recently, it's which is a lot unlike of fun. This is yeah. very unlike us. But I have to say, one of my favourite games of 2019 has been the Arkham Horror LCG. Really? Yes. At times, I've not liked it. At times, I've thought, Chris, let's not do this ever again. But a couple of the expansions we played, we have not been able to stop talking about, like since finishing them, how exciting and thrilling and adventurous they were. I, re- I really recommend it, as especially as a two-player game. Uh, it's just enough amount of ridiculousness and silliness in that world. And mm. yeah, again, as, as some sort of theme of this of this show, like I, I we, we do find ourselves like role-playing within it, which I guess you're encouraged to do because I'm playing yeah, a jazz musician and he's playing um, a journalist, I think, or uh, like a 1950s floozy who's got 10 knives. So we do kind of house rules a few things, which increases some of the enjoyment. Okay. But because the game is silly enough, it kind of feels right that you can do that kind of thing. Right. Um, But anyway, off topic, because what I really wanted to uh, bring to the table was that Chris and I played Decrypto, Oh, at the weekend. Okay, what is a decrypto? So, decrypto is a code-breaking game in the same way you guys have both played Code Names. Yes. 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 So, Code Names came out and sort of swept the world, and everyone loved it, and it was brilliant, and sold millions of copies and whatever. And then decrypto came out, and. I think maybe like a few people, uh, I thought, well, I've already got code names. Why would I need Decrypto? And it's sort of 
hovered around in the background and I've not really paid any interest in it but we finally got a chance to play it and you need four people to play it so my wife was there and her best friend and we played a crypto and I think why I thought about Arkham Horror the card game is a bit like that is it's such a wonderfully theatrical game to play like there's some expansions in Arkham Horror, Arkham Horror the card game where you might be on a train and you have to set up all the cards like they are carriages on a train. Or there's one where you're in Venice and you have to set up the cards in a circle as if they're like the paths um, between the canals and things. And Decrypto is very similar in that the whole game is built around this central theatrical experience of the fact that you are two teams of code breakers which is something i don't think code names really has like whenever i've introduced code names to anyone it's i always find it a real struggle to explain how it works because the theme and the mechanics don't really match up enough right because you just like yeah. when you start saying like oh you're code breakers and you're trying to give secret words to people and hope that you're not saying them to other people sure. like it, i think it works better when you try to describe it in abstract terms whereas decrypto yeah. is just it's all theme and it's all um drama uh, inside of it so when you first set up you both get these screens so each team has a screen that faces them and in these screens they have four little windows that have the same material that you used to get in 3d glasses you know like the red mm-hmm. um uh, like plastic mm-hmm. in these screens and then everyone starts off with these four little code cards that are completely scrambled like you can't work out what's on them at all and you each get a piece of paper which is double-sided and then a pen, which isn't in the box, but, you know, whatever. And, uh, and then the game begins. And the game begins with each team picking up these little, like, scrambled messages and slotting them in to each of the four windows. And when they get slotted into the windows, it reveals a code word. Like, the red filter filters out all the misinformation and you get, like, code words. Okay. And the words are, you know standard nouns and whatever and like pretty like the words you kind of find in in code names and then the aim of the game is to try and intercept the other team's codes because what happens is under each of the screens where the code words are uh will be a number one two three and four and when it's your go you pick up a card and it will say like three two one or four one two and using that information you have to try and get your team to guess that sequence of numbers by hinting at or finding words that link to the words that are in your screen if that makes sense so for example if 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 the four words were baker football school and paint Mm-hmm. So Baker's one, football's two, school's three, and paint is four. And I pulled out a code that was two, one, three. My mission then is to try and get you guys who are on my team to say the code two, one, three. So I might say goal, bread, teacher. Right. Okay. So the complexity is is that the other team on their piece of paper is writing down everything that you say. So they hear you saying goal, bread, teacher, and then they'll hear your guess as to what you think the code is. So you give those clues and you say the numbers 213. So now the other team know that word number two is has something to do with goals. 
Word number one has something to do with bread. Word number three has something to do with teacher. So when it's your go again and say you have one, two, three, if you say dough, ball and pencil, when the other team have a chance to try and guess that code, they already know that, hang on, dough and bread, that's a similar theme. Goal and... Right. Goal and ball and pen and teacher. We think the code is one, two, three. So the challenge, therefore, of the game is to try and give your team code words, but they're code words that are not going to make it specifically obvious which word you're referring to and which number that word will then refer to. Mm -hmm. So what you're doing is you're trying to give words that are clear enough for your teammates to know so they can work out the code, but But, ambiguous enough so the other team can't figure out the code. Yes, exactly. So, so think of it like Spyfall. You know, we've all played, we've all played Spyfall. Think of it like that. When, when, when some of you know the location, one of you doesn't. You want to make sure other people are on your same wavelength, but not giving too much information to the spy, mm. so they can crack where the location is and win the game. And this is why I think I really, really enjoy it as a game, because you really rely on listening to the other team's conversations and 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 mm. it really relies on you trying to crack the code and because you've got to sort of actively act like a code breaker right. the effect that that has on the other team is that they've got to effectively act as a code maker and it creates this wonderful themic uh, dynamic between the two teams that i think doesn't exist in a game like Spyfall or or, or a game like sort of like a a, a social deduction game like uh, Resistance or in Code Names hmm. because you you really have to I guess like if it's like bringing it back to like real code breaking like the Enigma machines it's all about starting to recognise patterns and trends and using that information to try and get the code before the other team get it and you only need to break their get their code twice to win the game so there's so the odds are really stacked like in your favor like rounds are really quick it's really snappy you can play two or three rounds someone can do it and then you you just start again but it all lends itself to this one to this lovely theatrical experience you're having because you've got the screens in front of you you each have a piece of paper which is double-sided one side for your screen one side the other in which you're filling out all this information of like oh yeah uh, bread and dough that go we know that's we know they were clues for number one and goal and you know we know they're clues for number two and you and all the aesthetics are made to look like sort of 1950s computer technology as well so all these little screens are like crt screens and all the pieces of paper are made to look like paper document files and things so you really feel like you're at this analog coalface of trying to like decipher this brand new digital information right you're the ones you're the ones in like bletchley of the future almost yes exactly and in terms of like gameplay and and a party game it's the closest i've really felt like coming to really having a genuine thematic experience i think the only thing that's ever come close to me is something like captain sonar which is exceptionally thematic yeah yeah, um, definitely in terms of like a party game and one of the other things we got to try out with decrypto actually was um there's an expansion called the laser drive expansion and it, that is just bonkers because you just get this little uh, box of cards 
that are all all made to look like laser discs and what they do is you pick one off and it will say something like a movie title and then you've one of the clues you've got to give to your team to link to a word which will then link to one of the numbers in the in the in the sequence has to be a movie title i like, I like that. that a lot that sounds yeah, really that's, good that's really interesting i i like that and there's and there's a variant that you can play where if you're able to say a movie title for all three of your clues you get certain bonuses which then allow you to then that's great uh, actually attempt to guess the words of the other team and then that's another way that you can then go on to win the game that's that's brilliant so that's really so smart. like the laser drive stuff is just it's kind of one of those things like in in uh, other great party games that i think we all love like monica's 20 second showdown and things like that which are just like well written prompts to have fun with mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like when you're playing a game like code names or to crypto sometimes it could be i think what stumps people quite a lot is when they're sitting there and they're just like i don't know like i don't know and when the stakes are so high like they are in decrypto when you've really got to think of how can i tell dan that this is number one which is baker but you can't say bread you can't say dough you can't say you know (laughs) water or flour or like you've got to say something to make them think of bread and then like that can sometimes slow the game down whereas like what the laser drive does is just give you those prompts i think those like creative sort of prompt so you you know at least you've got to go down some sort of avenue avenue with it but yeah chris and i really loved it and i think around this time of year where people are having parties or maybe they've had parties and are just looking for something to really sink their teeth into and that's not that really energetic but it's really really thematic and exceptionally thinky and and deductive then decrypto and and the laser drive expansion are actually quite reasonably priced both of them like you can get the laser drive expansion for around 10 12 quid and decrypto for about 15 16 quid and and for the like the quality of the components it's an exceptional recommendation for me and um actually you know we talked about um the secret center last time and we talked about the bgg secret center well yes. that's actually now finished well, have you got it i have got mine i assume that Taco's received his. I hope so. Um, uh, out in Taiwan, God bless you, Taco. If you have got it, uh, and uh, what, what did you send again? With, um, two expansions for the Lord of the Rings Living Card Game by uh, Fantasy Flight, which he did. He um, did own the original game, didn't he? He did yeah. own the original. I double checked. Yeah, he did. He definitely did. Um, <laughs> and because that would have uh, sucked. So it would have sucked. Like sucks to be you, mate. Make sure you get the main game, and then you can enjoy this fun. So. I received, uh, and I, uh, I don't know who from, so um, my Secret Santa actually ended up doing that thing that we talked about last time, which was taunting. Um, so he actually ended up taunting me. Um, and it turns out that what this is, is you can send a message to the BGG admins, and they will, as a Secret Santa, you send them the message, and then they send through the Secret Santa system the message to you, anonymized so you still don't know who it is but they can just keep sending you messages and you can also send messages back to your secret center and oh uh, and it, i know and it was it was really neat and um so i had a very it was very nice of uh, him to engage uh, him or her to engage with it and and i said oh thanks very much this is fun uh, i really can't wait to to receive it and they got to the point where they actually sent me a message saying it's outside your door and i was like how do you know uh, uh, are, are, are you outside my door? Are you outside my door? <laughs> Do you mean um, my bedroom door? 
And it's because they um, delivered it through a, a retailer that I assume gives you a tracking number which says where it is. Um, and um, so I got my stuff and my word, and I videoed this and sent it, sent it over to you guys because I was so excited. I received from very generous Secret Center the Sherlock Holmes consulting detective, the Thames murders and other cases. Uh, so this is, you remember there is the Istari version, which is like the 70s, 80s version, which with like 30 cases. Well, this was the reprint that they did yes. where they included 10 and then they split it out into a couple of different ones. And this one's meant to be the one where you don't have to go and paste in translations of the Italian into the manual. Yeah, so the, the, the new versions bit, uh, have, have typos have been have been fixed beautiful so i really can't wait to play that we're going to play that over christmas um with uh, alex's family and maybe some other pals and the other one that i got and I'm, I'm going to bring this out onto the little camera that we use to to show one another i received quite possibly the worst and best uh, gift i could have received and that is the advanced squad leader starter kit 2 um now obviously for 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 people listening for our that pals packaging listening. is something else that packaging <laughs> is something else so it is I think a i uh, think um, dan you you call that packaging serviceable serviceable so imagine a, a, a light blue to lighter blue gradient uh, now imagine that's across the entire box now imagine they've got orange to an, a, a lighter orange gradient and they've used that for the text that says advanced squad leader starter kit number two and then for the imagery on the box it's just a silhouette of a very large field gun sort of artillery and the reason that i'm very excited about this is this feels like maybe the culmination of going all the bad things you've done in your life yeah like when i when i text um when i text uh, a mate of mine that i'd receive this uh, he said that this was proof that no good deed goes unpunished <laughs> um, because basically the game is if you've not heard of asl it is oh is this a game this is a game. I thought that was I thought it was like a miniature building thing that you would then paint. No, no, Dan. This is so let me let me just show you a little bit of this and you can see you see these little square boxes, Dan. Also known as hexagons. Oh sorry, those square boxes. No, these yeah, no no no. The little square boxes are on hexagons, <laughs> doubling up the nerdiness. Um so the little square boxes there that you see, they're actually cardboard chits. And as soon as chits get involved in a game, you know that you're in for trouble. <laughs> The, the artwork that they include on it is really bare bones because really you're just interested in the several numbers that are on these tiny two centimeter by two centimeter chits and you're also interested in the hex grid references and the 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 the, the terrain that is actually inside of them this starter kit to put it into perspective Dan there are four starter kits <laughs> does it make you does it make you itch underneath the skin that you were given starter kit number two? <laughs> uh, li- uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I really, I actually was really, really pleased that I got number two. So I was kind of hoping for number one from a like, oh, I hope that this will just be the start of it collection. And I was actually mostly hoping for number two because number two is meant to be the one where they, well, they bring in artillery and they bring in new ideas that they add onto the first first starter kit. So this is actually a more advanced version than than the first one. So this is going full force into it. I mean, to put it in, again, to put it into perspective, ASL. If you want to play a full, proper, big game of ASL, like a you know a decent-sized campaign game, you know you could stretch that very easily into double digits in terms of hours. This will take two hours, brackets or more. 
And and the reason that I'm so excited about it is because it is that level of oh god, what am I getting myself into that I really enjoy? It's that level of like and I've never bought it for myself because I've always been a bit scared. And the fact that my secret Santa, whoever the secret Santa is, um, has bought that for me, has thrust me into doing that. I now can't not. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I now have to play that and enjoy it and, and see what it's like. And it's great because it, it forces me to, like, push myself outside of my comfort zone into the wonderful world of rep, uh, replicating World War Two Mediterranean Theatre of Operations battles. Pete, would you say that you have gone full Wellington? I, uh, this, this is... When Alex saw this, because we, we looked at all the things, she was like, oh, Sherlock, brilliant, that's great. When she saw this, she went, you've gone full Willington again. And I don't like again. the fact that it's now crept, again, The fact I don't like the fact that it's crept into my personal life, this phrase. <laughs> but when you're dealing with 8-inch by 22-inch full-colour geomorphic map boards. That's some sexy talk there. <laughs> that is, that is, I would say, jumping in two feet first. So, yeah, I strongly uh, just to bring it back to the to the the secret santa stuff it is genuinely one of been been one of the most in, like inspiring as in i now need to go and do this uh, things that i've done but also just the faith in humanity thing has been really nice around this period of time where where seeing what people have bought for one another being involved buying something for somebody you know some some nice nice chap out in um, out in taiwan getting that stuff and being a part of like a community like on BGG it's yeah it's been really really lovely so I can't I can't recommend getting involved in the secret center more uh, 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 you know any more than that really I think it's, it's yeah really fantastic oh, made it that was staying in with Daniel Frost Sam Turner and Peter Full Willington if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts if you'd like to leave a review too, we'd be really chuffed to bits. Keen to dig a little further? Why not head over to stayinginpodcast.com? On it, you'll find our page on Board Game Geek, our Steam curation page, and all the different ways you can follow us. At Staying In Pod is where you need to find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. From all of us here, Happy New Year.